Rich, today we're sitting down with Jonathan Rivera, the founder of the Podcast Factory and also runs a podcast himself called Results Leader FM. Today we talk about his leadership style. What I've been amazed with in this conversation is really how we see the evolution of Jonathan and his words as he's grown up as an entrepreneur. What did you take from it? From somebody who was originally really tough and probably repelling in how we worked with people to leading with love and what that actually means. He's moved from CEO to chairperson and he talks to us about how it takes guts, a team, and really checking your ego to do that. Yeah, he said something too that I think is very important for the listeners to hear if you're interested in this podcast, which is sometimes the right words the right person and the right message at the right time. And I really think that some people are gonna to listen to this episode, are gonna hear some things in Jonathan's message that are really gonna change the way that they lead their teams. Here's Jonathan Rivera. This episode is being brought to you by IOI Ventures. We all know that digital marketing is vital to our company's growth. Unfortunately, many of us entrepreneurs don't know where to start. We simply feel overwhelmed by acronyms like CTA, CRM, and GA. It's time for all of us to stop feeling stuck because our partners at IOI Ventures have the experience and track record to get us moving in the right direction. Want to learn more? Go to IOIVentures.com EU and sign up for your free 30-minute consultation. Jonathan, welcome to the Entrepreneurs United podcast. Thanks for having me on. I'm stoked to be here and I can't lie, man. I feel a little nervous. Oh, come on. You've been doing this for a long time. You've been podcasting since 2008. You have the Podcast Factory as your business. And I think your podcast or your, is called ResultsDriven.fm. Is that correct? Almost, almost. The first two were right. The podcast is ResultsLeader.fm. ResultsLeader.fm. Sorry, my apologies. No worries. So tell us more about all three of those in whichever order you would like. Why don't you tell me what would be the most impactful to the listeners so we can make sure that we give them what they need? What do you do these days that is relevant to the average entrepreneur? What do I do? Why would, because I find our listeners, and most people probably do on podcasts, they listen for a few minutes and then they're either going to decide this is worth my time or it's not. I'm going to move on or I'm not. So you said you were a little nervous and I'm going to put you on the spot and go, Say something hot that the average entrepreneur is going to want to stay tuned in for the rest of this podcast about what you're doing that's actually relevant to them. Okay. I'm doing as little as possible. <laughs> that that should be your goal. And in fact, we talked about this on Podmatch, and I think it's the reason we connected is like people talk about being the CEO. I'm trying to be the chairman of the board. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be involved in the day-to-day. -day. And that takes guts. That takes preparation. That takes a good team. And that takes checking your ego at the door. Because what I've realized over the years is I'm not the smartest person in the room. In fact, I want to surround myself with people who are much smarter, much better at things than me, so that when I have an idea, because that's what I think most of us are when we're running a business, we're the visionary idea people. Sometimes execution doesn't happen because we have so many ideas. And so I've built a team now about 18, 19 deep at the podcast factory where we have helped 119 experts reach their ideal audiences through podcasting. And I'm mostly hands off on that. The only two things I do, remember I said, I don't do much. I write and I speak. That's what I do. And obviously as part of being the owner of the business, I lead. So speak and lead, those all go together. 
Thank you. That was great. Talk to me about this lead piece. You have 18, 19 people deep and you must not have all of your meetings are the 20 of you in a room and you're chatting and brainstorming and how do you organize your team and how you lead? So we've been working on this and in fact, it was quite painful. Last year, we took a step back and here's an average cycle of most people in business. Hustle, hustle, get clients, hustle, hustle, get clients, hustle, hustle, get clients. Delivery, forget about getting clients. Ah, delivered. Shoot, I got no more clients. <laughs> what am I going to do? And that that's that entrepreneurial hamster wheel that I think all of us get on. And last year, I had to take a step back and it was very, very painful. Last year was so hard because what we decided was we didn't want to be on that hamster wheel anymore. We didn't want to have that problem. And in order to do that, we had to rebuild the company and rebuild leadership and rebuild how we work together. So we hired what you guys would know, or maybe not. Gino Wickman Traction is the book. EOS, Entrepreneur's Operating System, is the framework. We hired some people that do something similar. They call it by a different name because there was some stuff that went on with the EOS last couple of years that people had to change their names if they weren't paying up to the big man. but we installed that in our business. And so after we talk today, Monday is L10 meeting day. And Monday, I will meet with my leadership team. So my operations people, my operations, my wife, Cupcake, is really the boss of all this. She's a COO. <laughs> and then we have a project manager. And we'll meet and we'll go through this structure that you would read in the book where we go in there, we talk about wins, we talk about our scorecard, uh, we talk about our big goals, OKRs, objectives and key results to make sure we're on track, off track. We've got a to-do list that we go down. And then the big part that makes it all really worthwhile is the challenges and opportunities. And this is where we look, okay, we had a miss this week. What was that? Or somebody brought up a new idea. How can we implement that? Challenges and opportunities is what drives it forward. But we do all that in the meeting so that when we leave there, it's not oh, we need more meetings. It's everybody has something on the to-do list to make that thing move forward. And then they all go do their work and I go do my work. Great. And you did not hire an EOS implementer and you're a little bit evasive on the name of what it was. Are you open yeah, to did. sharing? What is we that? We did hire an implementer. Oh, we, you we did? invested $20,000 in an implementer. Absolutely. They call it growth instead of calling it Entrepreneur's operating system, they call it growth, and that's an acronym for them. I don't remember what, the, what Got the, it. how it goes. Got it. Okay, so you have a leadership team that is your COO, who's your wife, and operations manager and yourself that get together every Monday to do your L10 meeting. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. And then decisions that are made in that meeting... How do you cascade communication throughout your organization to have there be alignment and consistency with those decisions? Yeah. So every uh, at the top of every month, because we're doing four meetings a month, at the top of every month, our copy chief comes in and he brings in information from the writers and all that. So he's there at the top of every month. He brings that to his team and sets the writers straight on what we're doing, what we're working on, what we're looking for. My project manager running all the behind the scenes work, the audio engineers and video people, he spreads the message 
over there to them. And then Rachel Cupcake is what I call her. <laughs> Anything that has to do with client facing, she takes care of that and gets the message to them. Okay. And how have you scaled up over the course of the last year? How many people have you hired, say, over the last 12 months? We actually did some thinning out. <laughs> we realized that there was some redundancy, and that was part of why we had to rebuild, because when we were building up, we kept hiring up, and then we had all these people, and there was some redundancy, things being missed and all that. And that's part of why last year was so painful was not only did we forget about sales for a minute to focus on infrastructure, communication, leadership, but we also had to start trimming and looking at where the redundancy was, looking where we didn't need people and looking at where we could make cuts because that, that's, that's part of business, right? When you get into those situations, there, there's two things you can do, make more sales or make some cuts. And we had to do the cuts before we could make the sales. Thanks for that. Why does your company exist outside of making money? Making money is just a tool to empower my mission, our mission. And the mission is quite simply the right words at the right, from the right person at the right time can change a life. And this is what we're doing. You and I, the three of us having this conversation, the questions you're asking, somebody out there listening can have that little moment where they're thinking, oh, I didn't realize that. And it can change their trajectory. And so my mission here on earth is to provide those moments for more and more people. In fact, my 10-year goal is to be helping 10 million people have those moments per year. And the only way I'm going to do that, I can't do that by myself. I'm not delusional. The only way I'm going to do that is by having conversations with guys like you, by helping the experts that we help, by getting to as many people that I can help build that bridge and get their words into people's ears. So we're here to change lives. Jonathan, I love what you said about, you answered Rich's question in, I think, a fantastic way when he said, what are you going to bring to the audience here today? It's going to keep them captivated. And you got me on, not I'm doing as little as possible, because I believe you're actually doing quite a bit. But what you, where you got me was moving from the CEO of the business to the chairperson of the business. And you wouldn't know this, Rich knows this, but I'm currently writing a book about seven principles, seven strategic principles of entrepreneurial success. And principle number seven is move from CEO to chairperson. Dead smack in one of my principles of this book was what you said. And you said there's two things, build and lead a team to execute is what I heard as one. And the other one was check your ego at the door. Before I go any deeper, is there a third or fourth or fifth that you would say is important for entrepreneurs to realize you need to do this in order to move to a chairperson strategic level in your business? God, I think that really the ego is the biggest one, right? This is our baby. Most mm -hmm. of us create this business and we're in love with it. And we have the ego of anything I can, oh, anything you can do, I can do better. And you got to let go of that. And you have to, the other piece, and this comes in with my faith is the, there's two pieces, right? There's surrender and forgiveness. These two play together so well. And surrender is the letting go, like letting go of the ego, letting go of the tasks that you think you're great at, letting go of certain parts of the business that maybe somebody else can do better. But there's a really tough thing when you let go. Mm. People won't always meet your standards. Yeah. People are going to make mistakes. People are 
not going to hit the mark. And as a leader, you got to be ready for that, number one, and you got to be ready to forgive, number two. So encourage the mistake. Come on, get up, Tiger. Let's try this again without being rude, without being uh, condescending. You got to be encouraging. And so that's one of the things that I've learned because I was a brutal leader back when I was the copy chief and the guys remember it. They're like, you were tough. And I'm like, I was immature. I was immature and it's okay. Now I know better and you guys come out of that and you're tougher, but I'm into pushing the boundaries, putting up the bumpers. Hey, stay within here. And if you miss, let's just get up and try that again. And the other piece that our team is really into, it's a Jocko willing thing is extreme ownership. So yeah, you screwed up. Oh man, that was bad. You own that and that's fine. You own it. I got your back. Let's get up. Commander's intent. Let's go back onto the mission. Let's do what we have to. So I don't know if I added like 10 more there, but I think really surrender and grace are the two that are most important to me. Yeah. What's interesting is you seems like you've built a culture of intrapreneurship within your organization. When you start talking about extreme ownership, you're having the people on your team feel like they're entrepreneurs within your business. They have their piece and they're going to treat it like that. What's interesting though, is I think a lot of entrepreneurs, as you very carefully pointed out or properly pointed out, when we first start being leaders, letting go of a task that we know we can do better than anybody else in the world is so difficult. It's so difficult. But once you do let it go and you get yourself into the routine of, I'm just going to be a servant leader in my team and help them do their job better and help them progress, everything starts opening up a little bit from a strategic level is what I've found. You can be, instead of being down chopping the trees, you can rise above the trees and what's going on to help guide the business better. There's this saying, I work on your business, not in your business. How many entrepreneurs do you know work on their business. They're so busy working in it because they can't rise above those trees. Is that kind of what you experienced that brought you to this level of I'm going to move myself to the strategic point? And I've experienced a lot of pain, a lot of setbacks, a lot of kicks <laughs> in the butt that that it wasn't a choice. It's either grow or die is the way this works or else you're going to be out of business. But I want to speak to the entrepreneurship because I hadn't thought of it that way. But that is what we're moving to. And one of the other things we like to say is you find it, you fix it. Hey, there's a problem. Great. Give me three possible solutions. I don't. Good problem. Great. How do we fix it? Don't tell me about the problem. Tell me about the possible solutions and I'll put the resources of the team behind you. And so that's more of the encouragement. The other thing that we just implemented that has been incredible in the last quarter is something called opportunity spotting. I have too many shows, right? I can't listen to everybody's show. That would be impossible. That's not my job. But we have audio engineers and writers who are listening to every single show because that's their job. And one of the things that we pulled from that is if you're already in the show and you hear an opportunity for us to serve a client at a higher level, whether that's create landing pages or create opt-in bribes, or they're doing a promo and maybe encouraging them to do extra shows for that event they have coming up. Opportunity spotting to serve our clients better and to bring in business for the company, bring in dollars and revenue. Because for the longest time, and this was why we hired EOS, was when you asked my team, because the implementer asked us, hey, he took us individually, by the way, so we can hear each other's answers. He took us individually. What do you think the biggest problem with the team is? What do you think the biggest problem you guys are facing today? And the two 
Cupcake and Rishi. Oh, we need more leads in sales. When he spoke to me, I said, me, I'm the biggest problem. I'm holding us back because everybody's counting on me for leads and sales. I can't do it. I can't. I'm not good. I'm not good at that. I can't do it. And what we've developed now is the whole team thinking about profit and not just profit from us making more money at the podcast factory, but how to help our clients profit more, how to help our contractors profit more. You find it, you fix it. I pay you. I pay you to go ahead and do that solution. So it's been an interesting journey, but I am proud of the, the you find it, you fix it kind of entrepreneur mentality that we have going on. Did I, I am sure I got off on a tangent from your original question though. No, I think that's fantastic. Uh, you find it, you fix it is a great way to show that extreme ownership and that entrepreneurship. But you answered the question, which is what are the different things that you have that combine into this moving to the chairman level? And I think okay. you added a couple to it, like you said. Rich, what are your thoughts on all this? He's about to grill me. <laughs> I've got a question. <laughs> you had said people used to define you as tough. And you said, I was immature. Talk to me more about what is an immature leader that you once were. So not theoretically, or I read a book and here are the three principles of immaturity. What are the aspects of immaturity that you took on that you feel maybe you still struggle with a little bit, but you were relatively able to overcome? Yeah, I'm life is a work in progress. So there's no saying what I could potentially fall back into. But I used to be rough. Like, I remember when they didn't do things the way I wanted, I wasn't exactly nice. And they only stuck with me because they care. And I realized that much, much later on because I was really tough, but I have built some really great, I have helped build some amazing leaders who have left our team. Look, I encourage these guys. If you outgrow us, it's time to move on. I got your back. I'm a testimonial. Got you. I pushed them to grow, but I was rough in my words, in my thoughts, in what I have done and what I failed to do. Now I'm getting religious here. But I was, I just spoke before I thought, and I didn't really, I don't think I made them feel safe to take those risks. If they weren't doing it my way, they just couldn't do anything. And I've changed that. I think that's the biggest one. And really, in the last couple of years, I have gotten deep into my faith. I am a Catholic man. I am practicing. I read the Bible and do a rosary daily. And what I think is different now is I'm really focused on love. And it was there before, but it was hidden, right? It was hidden down there. And I think they knew that. Now I'm really focused on being a loving leader, an encouraging leader, someone who uplifts them and gives them opportunity and gives them the room, right? You think about it. We all have kids. I think we all have kids. Those of you that know you have kids, you can't be holding that kid everywhere and protecting them from everything. You got to let them fall. You got to let them get a bump. You got to let them learn. That's love. You got to let them have that moment. And before, I don't think I was in that place. And maybe having a kid helped me. I don't know. <laughs> One of the things you said, I feel like really encapsulates the essence of everything you just said, which is your team didn't feel safe to take risks. And in part, you contributed to a culture where there was not, call it psychological safety or an environment where you could fail and learn and move on. 
because you were really rough with your thinking and really rough with your words. Sounds like you've had a bit of evolution in your leadership style that you credit to some of your evolution in faith. And now you're focused on love, where it's about loving, encouraging, lifting up, accepting someone for everything that they can do and they cannot do and helping them perform at their best. So that's what I heard in terms of encapsulating it is you hear that back and I hold the mirror up to you to see yourself. What occurs to you when you hear that back about your own story? I'm grateful for it. I feel blessed. And I do, I really do credit it to being in my faith, part of being a Catholic man and reading the Bible and learning. See, we're chasing wisdom here. This is what we're built on is chasing wisdom. And the way that you gain wisdom is you read the book, you think about what you read, and then you put it into action. And that's no different than anything you do in life. We are trying to be wiser leaders, wiser people. And that process has helped me, remember, surrender, let go of the ego, right? Give some grace, because let me tell you something. We, most of us that start businesses, you better be a freaking alpha. You better want it. You better want it because you are going to get kicked, smashed, put down. And if you don't want it, you ain't going to get it. And with that, I'm sure you guys know this feeling. We are incredibly hard on ourselves when we don't hit the mark, when we fail, when we just mess up that voice in our head. And it never lets go. And so that inner turmoil, I used to live in that. and. Letting go of that and giving myself grace and forgiveness, like, hey, man, it's okay. Not like you did on purpose. Let's get back up and let's do this again. That happens internally with me and then externally with everybody I deal with. And so that's actually a way that I show the world that I am a Christian man and what that looks like. Jonathan, your answer to Rich's question is, in my opinion, summarized in you're focused on love and leading with love. And the analogy you gave about a kid, right? The last thing you need to do when your kid goes up to bat when they're six years old and strikes out is say, look at me, I'm going to take this bat. And you go play with the six-year-olds and knock it out of the park, right? I got this. I can do this, right? And But yet we do that as entrepreneurs. We're like, you're not good enough to write this article, so I'm going to take it off and I'm going to write it and I'm going to get it out there or whatever the task or role is. And when you step back and you focus on love like you would with your kid to help them get better at what they do, encourage them, throw them back out and say, okay, you got this, let's go. That is the game changer for, to your point, not only doing it with chasing wisdom, but doing it with grace building a team that is going to have feel extreme ownership that is going to be loyal to the business and treat the business like as if they're an owner of the business. So to me, the chapter of this story or this podcast is focused on love. If you focus on love, you'll probably lead your team the right way. Would you agree as that being the over encompassing title of this conversation? Man, I, I like that. Who, we're supposed to be talking about business, guys. <laughs> we'll play it is business. business. Some people think business is a battlefield, and here we are talking about love. But yeah, that's the I mean, point. It's caring about what you do. And that's 
behind the purpose. Like you asked me, why does my business exist? I really mean that, right? Words, right person, right time can change your life. Whatever we're talking about today, either for you guys or for me or for one of our listeners can change everything. And that comes from a place of abundance. That comes from a place of love. And that, that comes from a place of service. And yeah, I think so. I think you're right. I think this is a show about love. <laughs> I love it. I think that's part of the maturity that we all need to get as leaders. So talk to us real quick about the podcast factory and what you're doing for entrepreneurs in that vein and your business today. And so the direct response podcast framework is quite simply this. Step one, client cloner. Who are we talking to? Let's get that message crystal clear so they understand this show's for them. Step three, what do we want them to do? And this is where everybody that hates podcasting or tried podcasting and it didn't work, this is the one that gets them. Step three, what do we want them to do? Oh, I want them to listen to a show. No, that's not good enough. I want them to listen to a show. I want them to get on my email list. I want them to book on my calendar. I want them to buy my product. We got to know what we want that listener to do. So now we I want to hear more of the framework, Jonathan, but I yeah. feel like you just tested us. You said step one, <laughs> and then you said step three. I'm like, did you just now. test our listening skills or what just happened there? Step two. Exactly. <laughs> A little cliffhanger, like, hey, what, huh? So step one, <laughs> right? You got the client cloner. Who are we talking to? Step three, what do we want them to do? And in the middle, since we know who they are and what we want them to do, what do we need to say to get them to do that? That's how you plan your episodes. That's the content. And most people just start there. I'm just going to record shows about what I want. They're not thinking about their listener. They're not thinking about what people want to do. And so maybe I should change the order of them, but I like that open loop. <laughs> That's perfect. It, it, I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that in a couple other places in business where there is a, you start with a reason, you consider the end, and then what you do to get there in the middle that's how that should be determined. So often I feel like everything we do, whether it be in family life or in our business life, often we put just one foot in front of the other and we end up wherever we end up. And there's not really a charted course on getting from where you are to where you want to go. I think that is brilliant. And it totally was almost a test of listening, but it sounds like that's how you present it is here's step one here's step three here's the end let step three inform what you do in the middle i think it's absolutely brilliant i've never heard it before oh well that's a huge compliment i'm happy thank you yeah that's excellent if there was one enduring message that you were to be known by for everybody who's listened through the podcast up to this point and now in closing and people think about you and this podcast, what do you want them to remember? Man, this has been such a fun conversation. I would say that I'll give a formula. Can I give a formula? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Environment is the first piece. Environment plus attitude equals elevation. And let me break that down for you very quickly. The fact that you podcast listener are here hanging with us is a sign that you want more because you're listening to this show and you're trying to improve yourself. And we all have the people that we grew up with that maybe don't want to do more than 
the minimum. You clearly want to do more. And so getting in the right environment, this is a, an old Jim Rohn quote, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Getting around people who elevate you, who think bigger, will take you further than anything that you thought possible. And that's one of the reasons I do the, the work I do. Attitude is the other one. I told you about my bad attitude, and I told you that I'm still working on it, and it ain't, it ain't going nowhere. It's still there. I just got to fight it. But the attitude of, I want more, I want growth, I want to get around better people, I want to do more, have more, be more, give more, the right attitude is necessary to survive in business. And if you have the right environment and the right attitude, nothing can stop how high you elevate yourself. That's excellent. Probably the most important question on the podcast I've saved for last which is, anybody ever tell you you look like Steve-O? <laughs> Good God, no. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, Jonathan. Thank you guys for having me. Please stick around for a few more minutes while Rich and I break down this episode. Rich, one of the things I loved about this conversation with Jonathan is the evolution of him as a leader in display. And it takes a good amount of vulnerability for someone to be like, look, I've been going through a tough time as a leader in the recent past. Here's some things that I've gone through, but here's how I've come out the other side. I'm still working on these things, but here are the key learnings I've had as an entrepreneur. Very seldom do we get right to the meat of the bone in a conversation. And in this episode, I thought we did. We had a lot of kind of quotable quotes within that, but it wasn't scripted. It wasn't, here are the five components of this, and here are the seven principles of that. But there were so many quotable quotes between not doing sales anymore, and the focus was infrastructure, communication, and leadership. Gosh, we could run and break down infrastructure, communication, and leadership, and what are the components? We could run with that. Right words, right person, right time can change a life. Like, I just have... Highlight after highlight, chasing wisdom is one of the later things he talked about in the episode. Read, think about it, and act on it. There's so many things. He really is so filled with wisdom, and the way he delivers it is incredibly personal and does not feel lecturing at all. Yeah, no, I loved all that as well. I actually missed a few of them. I'm jotting them down as you're saying them. So I don't <laughs> miss them. And I do love the way we ended up with that formula. I know you and I, you and Shanna came up to be very formula driven sometimes, but sometimes it's easy just to see how it all comes together. And when I when I, you hear about an entrepreneur who takes that strategic level jump up in their business, things change. And I'll give you a really good example. When you start a business, you're the chef, cook, and bottle washer. You're doing everything. And slowly but surely, you start hiring people in the roles that you need to fulfill or the roles you don't like doing or you're not that good at, and you keep moving yourself up the ladder. But an entrepreneur is going to have 10, 15 job titles through the journey of their, of their business. But the ultimate one you want to get to is that chairperson role where you're overlooking strategically and infrastructure and communication and leadership, you can rise above everything and see where your business is going. You can see risk from that viewpoint. You can help better mentor people like a Ted Ma conversation. You can better mentor people in your organization. But until you move to that strategic level, you're just chopping wood, you're chopping, chopping, and you can't see the forest from the trees. And I think that is one of the biggest learnings that I have also learned as an entrepreneur is you have to move that strategic chairperson level. Maybe your title's still CEO. That's okay. But you have to, from a role perspective, 
you have to operate at that strategic chairperson level in order to grow your business to the next level. When you were just talking about chopping wood and chopping, and that was really him in the sales capacity. Yeah. Is he felt like that's what was happening. And I love the quote. It didn't come up on this. It's a quote that I happen to remember is, you can try to chop a tree down with a hammer and nobody's going to argue that you're not working hard. Yeah. Like hard work is not the answer. So he was chopping, chopping. And he described it as hustle, get clients, hustle, get clients. And it was like delivery. So he was doing all this chopping. I'll come back to one of the things I just mentioned a moment ago. Then he took a break. This is classic organizational health, John. He took a break from doing the work to talk about how they do the work. Now let's stop selling to talk about infrastructure, communication, and leadership. I'm not entirely surprised that happened, particularly for a guy who went to EOS and had an EOS implementer, and, but it's classic organizational health. Stop doing the work to talk about how we do the work. Let's stop talking to talk about how we talk. Yeah. This is not the first guest to tout the benefits of EOS. And I know we've talked with multiple guests about, hey, tell us more about how this works. I think it'd be wise for us to actually bring on an implementer of EOS onto this podcast. Great idea. And really dive a little bit deeper because I do feel like a lot of entrepreneurs need help setting up the infrastructure of that operating system in order to rise themselves to that strategic level. So I think that's one takeaway. The one I want to invite. You remember Michael Alasso, who we had on early on? Yeah. And I went to a retreat of Michael Alasso's. And at that retreat, I met a guy named Craig Andrews, who's a EOS implementer. I'm going to get in touch with Craig and have him come on and talk to us about EOS. I know the perfect guy to get on. So you've been depriving myself and our listeners of this guest for quite a while. Uh, so de- depriving is a little harsh. I'd prefer <laughs> that that you use Jonathan's words yeah. uh, and embrace me with a little bit more love, John. And yeah. I've been waiting for the right opportunity. Yep. Okay. <laughs> I appreciate that. But I think a lot of entrepreneurs, to John, the, Jonathan's words, can get out of that entrepreneurial hamster wheel that he called it with a little bit more structure to how yeah. them and their teams can operate. And so I'd love to have that guest on. I think that's a good lead Jonathan gave us today through this conversation. 